what was the first dream that you owned that was yours that felt big? The first time you set your eyes on something and thought, that, I'd like to strive for that. Or perhaps the kind of the flip side of this, okay, that, I'm not going to accept that anymore. I'm not going to accept the status quo anymore. Something needs to change. You know, some of us are wired to move towards things. Some of us are wired to move away from things. I mean, you were probably young when you got that first big dream. Your motives may not have been entirely clear to you. They certainly weren't for me. But it was a moment of stepping up and claiming your authority, meaning I'll write this part of my story, of claiming the next best version of you. Welcome to Two Pages with MBS, the podcast, where brilliant people read the best two pages from a favorite book, a book that has moved them, a book that has shaped them. Olatunde Serbamin is the co-author of the book Creative Hustle and the CEO at Street Code Academy, a community-based tech ecosystem that is preparing the next generation of underrepresented tech leaders with everything from basic computing to virtual reality. But that's not the first point of identification in Olatunde's life. I believe that God ordains things. I'm a man of faith. That's first and foremost. Father of four. Um, husband to a, to a wonderful wife named Tamara. Alatunde attended Stanford University where he walked on to the basketball team. I didn't really get it when Alatunde told me this, but it's no small feat. Colleges scout and recruit plays. You don't just walk on. I have big dreams. Just somebody who believes in the underdog, somebody who wants us all to achieve things bigger than we even believe that we could. And I'm on that quest. When you champion something, it's often because you identify with that, but not in this case. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why Olatunde could claim the underdog label, but he doesn't. I didn't think of myself as an underdog, but I grew up in an environment where, you know, you could believe in the impossible, right? right. So I don't identify as an underdog, but, I, but no one could ever tell me no, because I grew up in a household <laughs> where, you know, that wasn't an acceptable answer. You... Right. Um, we were, we were, I grew up with a mother and a father who tried to, you know, make impact on the world. Nothing was really small. Nothing was really, not, not to say we, we forsake the small things. No, but it's yeah. like, this has meaning. When my dad picked up trash around the offices and the school buildings that he was in, it was because that little piece of trash was significant. You know, that when he took kids to each of their homes, we my dad worked, started a nonprofit. My mom and dad started a nonprofit to work with some of the most, you know, students who didn't have a lot. Yeah. Um, and when he dropped each student off, you know, that was a small thing, right? But, yeah. you know, you pack 20 kids in a seven-passenger van and drop them all off. But that's, that moment was something major, you know, for, for him and uh, for me watching. And so I grew up in that environment. Do you, do you remember the first time you owned a dream that felt big? I mean, I hear what you're saying. You, you grew up in that space where that was permitted and what a, what a generous space that is and a rare space that is. But I'm curious that moment where it went from, from the water you swam in to part of who you were and you're like, this is, this is my first big dream that I might be going for. 
Yeah, I do. I think it was predates this because my father in, in the nonprofit, right? So we're sitting in yeah. Northeast Portland, um, small Northwest city in the United States. Um, but there's a black community, even within that small Northwest community. And my father operated inside of that um, context and he would find churches or schools to um, operate and work with students in the summer. In the mm. summer, I was a middle school student. He would give me my own set of students, you know? Wow. And so I I felt like, man, what are we going to do that's big? We're going to take a <laughs> trip to Seattle. We're right. going to, you know, I'm going to organize this field trip to blank. I, I mean, I was always dreaming. But yeah. the moment that I think really sort of, to me, brought it all together was when I was um, the student body president in my high school. And that was a moment where, again, it was in my direction. Where mm. do where do I get to take something and dream it and build it? And, 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 and I remember just thinking about, man, what all we could be. We're going to be this historic class. We're going to be... Um, we're going to be the best soccer team and the best basketball team and the best track. And we're going to, nice. we're going to have the best assemblies. And so that was when I really <laughs> felt like, you know yeah. what, this is fun. I remember being in a meeting and someone was like, you know, that's really audacious. And <laughs> I'm like, man, let's, let's go for it. And we right. ended up, you know, surpassing a lot of the things and having buy-in. And that was, that was fun for me. Mm. And I've been, I've been chasing, you know, that kind of feeling ever since. How do you know what to say yes to? Because, you know, as a, as a boy in a high school, the, the field is narrow. <laughs> You're like, it is the soccer team and it is the assembly and that's what we're going to rock because that's your prescribed world. As an adult, oh, opportunities multiply and there's both a way that that's wonderful and the way that that can be a bit paralyzing. There's like a bunch of things you could be doing. How do you start for yourself and maybe helping others figure out where to direct their gaze and their energy? No, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful question. And I would, I would, you know, not default to, but I would so value hearing other people's response to that same question. Yeah. But in mine, I'll give you a few points. Number one, I let faith drive me. Mm. I'm up this early morning and I'm reading and I'm, and I'm reading in the word of God. And for me to know that I'm guided by something bigger that knows more than me is very um, humbling, but it's also reassuring, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I don't have to make every perfect move here. I have to operate in my domain that I have. I'm in with, I'm with you right now. I don't, you know, there's, I don't need to be consumed with all that what's out there. Yeah. I'm with you and I want to I want to cherish this moment and I trust that this moment may lead to a friendship this moment may lead to future podcasts this moment may lead to someone I don't know what this moment is going to lead to right. but I'm 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 in this moment right that world of what I was in in high school that was my moment and yeah. this is my moment now so and then I'm okay with that because mm. I'm in the hands of a god that sees more than what I could see uh one 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 old timer told me you know, you can see to the corner, but God can see around the corner. So I'm just looking to the corner. Right. My second thing is like, you know, I've learned even in the, in the, you know, you, I don't know if you mentioned, uh, but we co-author Sam Seidel from the Stanford D school and myself co-authored a book called creative hustle. Exactly. Yeah. And in that has a, has a, um, 
canvas, and we call it the Gifts to Goals canvas. Mm. And in there, you get to really um, articulate what your goals are. And I do that, and I have those sitting in front of me today. And so I'm able to look at those and know that that's my world. You know, my yeah. world is my family right now. My world is my businesses and my organization. My world is my community. And let me dream inside that world, right? And there are a lot of other things, but I'm going to choose to say yes to the things that move me towards my goals in my world. And when I get opportunities to do that, I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful for the opportunity to move closer to what I feel is my purpose. Love it. Well, then with that canvas that's from your book, Creative Hustle, mm -hmm. Gifts to Goals, how do you start refining and betting on your gifts? Because it takes, it's taken me a long time to figure out not only what I'm good at, but also what I'm fulfilled by. Um, and I'm just, I'm just curious to know, it's like, how did you come to know what your gifts are so that you could then bet on them? Man, Michael, wow. What a question. I'm trying to reflect back on what moved me when you said not just what I'm good at, but what I'm fulfilled by. Mm. So we have some prompts inside the Gifts to Goals canvas. Yeah. Um, what do people tell you you are good at? Um, what have you put a lot of time and effort into, right? I think that, in my opinion, sort of correlates to what I think you're getting at. Some yeah. things we're good at, some things we're fulfilled by, some things we spend a lot of time in, right? Those are all beautiful prompts that yeah. I think get us to our goals or get us to our gifts. What I've found, you know, I've taken some of these tests, right? What are some things that you're good at? Okay, I yeah, like strength finder or something like that. Yeah, Ex strength finder yeah. exactly is a great one. I took, I take some at um at my church, and they they have things that kind of identify your gifts or. But what I'm what I what I love about the gifts to goals canvas, I'll show you one actually. So this is my gifts to goals canvas. Oh, I love it. That for I folks have who, folks who are just listening to the audio, I'm seeing this wonderful covered in post-it notes, yellow, pink, green, and there's this sense of movement from left to right. Um, as uh, June Day is kind of thinking about where am I, where am I investing my time? Limited time, limited money, limited energy. I got to make choices. And yep. in the canvas, you're seeing some of the choices. Exactly, and 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 in the you know, and I could talk more about the canvas, but in terms of the gifts. And I, I love what you mentioned. It's an eight and a half by 11. I, I loved your description of the post-it notes. And what we love about it is that it's scrappy, that I have about probably 10 of these in arm's reach mm. because I've iterated on them so many times. And so when I iterate on my gifts, at some point, my gifts was just public speaking. Yeah. Then I, okay, well, I, I refine those. Oh, well, it's actually... The type of public speaking I love is really encouraging people. Yeah. You know, that's, oh, what's the encouragement? Well, I really love um, encouraging and believing in people, especially when they feel like they can't do anything. So I, I begin to refine the gifts, mm -hmm. tailor them over time. And then yeah. now, um, you know, I'm 42 years old. Now I'm 10 or 15 canvases in. My gifts talk about compassion and mercy and believing in miracles and believing in people and leading with care and coaching. And so now my next one, they may have a different iteration, right? Yeah. So over time I begin to refine those and now I, I can lean into what I really like and what I really 
want to do. And it helps with that earlier question of what to say no to. Yeah. I'm going to ask you one more question before we, I ask you what, what book you're going to read from. What have you learned about dealing with resistance? Because what I have learned is that a declaration of a gift to goals experience immediately creates resistance from the world around me because they're like, we just prefer you to not make change. <laughs> you know, systems love homeostasis. They love to be the way they are now, not how you'd like them to be in the future. I'm curious to know what you've learned about navigating resistance. Wow. Man, I, your questions, I'm sorry, man, they gotta move me. <laughs> Thanks. So I self-identify into the African-American community and journey in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. Embedded, both unfortunately and beautifully, in that journey is a story of resistance. Yeah. And so I've learned how to think about that. But to me, also, in, you know, in the faith that I subscribe to, it talks about resistance and giving thanks for those because through resistance is when you develop the character. Mm. It's when you develop the perseverance. But that doesn't speak to how you actually get through it. It's, it's how we can view it, but then how do you actually get through it? Right. And to me, one of the first things or the first lane that we talk about moving from gifts to goals, because the minute you state, you talked about change of system, but even change within ourselves, right? I mean, I, I want to run a marathon this year. Good man. And yesterday <laughs> I had a, a burger spot you may or may not be familiar with called In-N-Out. Oh, yeah. Classic. Classic like In-N-Out. Order right? off the menu, right? Order off the menu. <laughs> exactly. Animal style. And then my son didn't finish his meal. And I hate wasting food, so I ate that meal. <laughs> so there's resistance already mm. with me and my discipline to achieve this goal. And even my own self, right? That's a... So that's a that's an internal system I have to I have to fight. Yeah. So in this gifts to goals, there's already resistance. How yeah. do I stay rooted on that? Well, there's the first lane for moving from gifts to goals is, the, is a lane called principles. Yeah. And that principles you hold on to in the moments of resistance. It's mm. it's like, what am I going to? Let me see my principles here. So I have some principles that that may or may not help me in that particular decision necessarily. But I talk about family is my first ministry, is a principle. Right. So that keeps me rooted and grounded from chasing the world when I have a whole family right in front of me. I have a principle called making popular culture positive so positive culture can be popular. It grounds the why mm -hmm. in the things of, you know, why I want to do certain things. So when I'm holding on, right, and I'm thinking about whether to... There's also things about people. There's also things about practice in that. And so certain things is like, I, I talked about e eating in my practices. I got to have an eating discipline. I have to have space for exercise. I can't, you know, there's there's some practices, right? The things that I got to subscribe right. to. But in that, I think in the moments of resistance, being grounded to some principles can help you really hang on. Got it. That's helpful to hear. Uh, Tunde, what book are you going to read from? Uh, I mean, I am... I'm so honored to read a book from uh, someone who has shaped my life. Mm. His name is Andy Crouch. And and somebody, just, somebody just sent me a video of his talking about something. So it was cool that I'm like, oh, I actually know who Andy Crouch is. I'm not a person of faith. And he clearly is, right? He speaks about yes. his connection to God a lot. 
Um, but actually, I've seen him talk. He's very eloquent and very interesting. He is supremely eloquent, so interesting, so thoughtful. Yeah. Um, I look to him for a lot of uh, context, particularly in the real world. And I'll tell you, this one is really beautiful. His latest book is called The Life We're Looking For. Yeah. And, it's, and the subtitle is Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. Mm. And I spend my days talking about technology inside of communities of color who are often on the outskirts or left out of a lot of the emerging innovation sure. and economies that happen around technology. And so I spend my life talking about it, but, but, but I think he provides a context in here about how to you know, be our whole full selves inside mm. of this evolving world. And those aren't always talked about in conjunction or in parallel. And yeah. I love how he did it. It's called The Life That's We're Looking For by Andy Crouch. That's great. And how did you choose the two pages? Often if you've got a book that you love, it's actually hard to pin it down to two pages. It's so hard. I mean, I love <laughs> I mean, you talk about the resistance. I mean, the challenge itself was so hard, right? The whole yeah. book moved me, the context, the idea. Yeah. You know, almost you want to choose the back page because it summarizes the book. But it's like, what in there just really grabs, grabs the essence of why you love the book? And I felt like these two pages was it. You know, it kind of had some things that I underlined more. You know, it, it had a, yeah, yeah. it had two or three of those catchy moments, and I, I'm I'm happy to share today. Well, I'm excited to hear it. The stage is yours. You do not have to become a person. You do not have to prove you are a person. As long as you have been and as long as you will be, you are a person. This would seem elementary and hardly worth mentioning, except for the brutal fact that there have been and are so many places and times where not just individuals, but whole communities of people were not treated as persons at all. And even the most privileged among us have found our sense of personhood slipping. At certain places and times, we have sensed, even if we could not quite explain why, that we were being treated as something rather than someone. My conversation with the insurance representative began in a dull, distant monotone because both of us had been conditioned to expect yet another encounter that we would be reduced to as facts and functions. So while nothing can truly take away our personhood, only another person can fully give it to us. Mm. This is the second essential truth. It is when another person's face and voice recognize us, not for what we can offer them, exploitation, but for what we intrinsically are, contemplation, that we know who we are. We are meant to know that we are persons in and through the recognition of others. In the end, we're not individuals, only when we know and are known by others can we fully become ourselves. And this word fully leads us to our third truth. While personhood can be denied, though never truly taken away, it can be gravely harmed. It can also be developed. There is tension, if not paradox here. There is nothing you can do or become that makes you more or less of a person. But... Being a person means you are designed to be something greater than you are. Persons are meant to grow. This is evident in childhood development, in the astonishing innate drive of children to establish mutual recognition, to learn to communicate, to join, 
and participate in a family and community. But it is also evident in the things that drive us and draw us as adults above all of our loves. The pursuit that the Greeks call filial, friendship and kinship, and eros, sex and romance, and to which the first Christians called agape, self-giving and sacrifice. Insofar of all of these draw us into lives of others, they are all schools of personhood, a lifelong invitation to a deeper and better life than we know on our own. To be a person is to be made for love. This is both the indelible fact of who we are and the great adventure of each of our lives. And it is precisely this central task, becoming the relational beings we are meant to be, that is so desperately difficult in our technological, impersonal world. Walk through an airport, consider the persons you pass, and you will see. Thank you, Tune. That was wonderful. What's um the deep truth in that passage? What what's the deep truth for you? Whew. There's so many, but I, the, the top ones that come to mind is that there was a line in there talked about us as individuals, mm. but said we're more than that. When we're connected to someone else, that's when we become even more than that individual. We're fully yeah. known. Like, I can't be me without you recognizing me now. Yeah. That you are make you are helping me become who I am. Yeah. And you can't do that individually. And that made for love, it's so tied into like that sacrifice and that vulnerability that comes in that journey of love that really inspires me. Mm. And I agree with him. You know, it's challenging in the technological world when we can sort of shape and manicure our way into individuality, but that's a facade. Um, we need the the resistance that come with relationship. Um, we need that vulnerability that comes with relationship. So I I just I love that. Yeah. You know that knowing and being known that mm. interchange between people. Um, both sides of that equation are difficult. <laughs> One is being present to the other person and seeing them. The other is taking off something. Maybe it's a mask. Maybe it's a suit of armor. You know, choose your metaphor to be seen. Um, which one of those has been the hardest for you to master? Mm. I think you know. I, I haven't. I haven't looked at it in the which one, right? Because. For me, marriage that I've chosen, you know, to spend my life with a partner, it's not one without the other, right? The, right. Those are so inextricably tied. Yes. Yeah. But those are hard, right? Those are those are challenging. What I what I what I move what I got moved by in this book is that like you think you're being selfish by not being known, right. you know or by putting on the mask, or you think you're being, but th this challenges that notion. Like, to be selfish in a way is to allow to be fully known. Like what, what he talks about in the life we're all looking for, we're looking to be known. Like what I ultimately want, yeah. the most fulfilled I could be is to be known by my wife. Okay, so what does that look like? 
where there are things I have to tell her that is challenging for me. I would have kept certain things from her. I still do. Yeah. But that, the, but the notion of being known is it challenges that. Well, is there some value in even sharing those mm. thoughts or those moments or those? And that is so powerful to me, right? And so that's been hard for me. That's been really challenging. It's to say, you know, I have friends that I that I talk to and pray with every week. How much am I really gonna know? Let them know what's inside of me. How much am I gonna? How much vulnerability? How much? truth am I going to actually, but this book sort of reassures you that it's in that, that you're fully, that you, that, that, that you the, live that life. That's, thing, that's yeah. actually what we're looking for in life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, your book, Creative Hustle, and also the, um, the nonprofit that you founded or co-founded called Street Code Academy, which feel like they're related projects. Um, how is how do do the insights and the work in the in the book and in the in uh, the academy how are they about helping people know and be known yeah no it's we talk about this at the academy and then I'll bring it to creative hustle in a way well michael it's about community it always has mm. been for me i'm not a technologist i came to appreciate what technology can offer in my attempt to um, help, you know, justice uh, and, you know, the, the path for equity in, in America, particularly through, for civil rights and, you know, the African-American struggle for that freedom. And so it landed me on economic empowerment and the need for technology and access to technology to be, to, mm. to sort of fulfill that. And the way that, I, that we came about it with Street Code was through community. Let's build community and then talk about technology. And what we found was that's actually a really powerful place to learn. We all want that and, and crave that. But it's even more powerful when we talk about the need for technology. Because yeah. technology can be a very individual. Technology can be, it, it helps in community in some ways. Think about social networks. We think about even the emerging technologies of, of Web3 and all that yeah. it's promising in terms of building community. But I was so, I don't want to say primal, but I was so uh, basic in my definition of, tech, uh, of community. Let's yeah. all get in the room. Let's touch, feel, learn. Let's un like let's yeah. let's let's have every one of our senses be activated in this journey of learning technology. And we now aim to be the authority in the country and the world on how community-based tech innovation occurs. Yeah. And so community is at the heart of what we talk about with Creative Hustle. We talk about people as the central lane to move from gifts to goals. When thinking about our gifts, you need other people. To, so we're constantly sort of tapping into community, yeah. yourself in your position to other people. And that this book gives language for that yeah. because it's talking about personhood and community and relationship right in parallel or connection to technology. Mm. What do you what do you find people have to unlearn for them to flourish in the academy? I mean the very first thing. So we at the academy um we see 
the journey like a bridge, similar to the gifts to goals. But in, in our case, we see communities of color, which is proxy for us, for people who are left out yeah. of the technology system, and the innovation economy on two separate uh, canyons, if you will. And the bridge that connects them the, is what we call mindset, skills, and access. Yeah. So we're trying to give these communities mindset, skills, and access. We're trying to give this tech economy mindset, skills, and access to be able to come together and to, and to, and to bridge that gap. Well, it starts with mindset, yeah. right? And so the, the belief system, what do we have to unlearn? Well, the very first thing is that I belong here. The very first thing is I'm capable. I'm, 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 this is something that's innate to me. I, you know, mm. This is something I could relate to. And so much in the in the academy, you know, if you uh, go up to somebody who's never had um, someone be labeled a computer scientist or someone be labeled an engineer um, in their family, and you go up to them and say, well, this is what engineering is, this is what computer science is, people are gonna say, that's not for me. Yeah. I've had entrepreneurs in my family. I've had, you know, academics in my family. I've had, um, you know, overcomers in my family. I've had champions in my family. I've had athletes in my family. All those I understand, I relate to, yeah. I identify with. But uh, what's this engineering? What's this computer <laughs> yeah. science? What's this, you know, and so we have to we have to sort of unlearn that's not for me. That is very yeah. much tied in to you your family's math, you know, connection to mathematician, your your family's connection to entrepreneurship, your family's connection to ingenuity and creativity and innovation that is who you are and this is just another layer of that and how do you help people have that realization because it's no small thing you know if you don't have representation it's hard to imagine you being in that spot and you're saying look this thing that you may not even have heard of before <laughs> yet alone seeing somebody who looks like you doing it that could be open to you um, I get that on an intellectual level. I'm wondering how you help people cross that emotionally. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, and I'm I'm in my journey, right? There are things that I have to unlearn, and part of that is to even think we're not there. You know, I yeah. say we as as those who are are um, considered underdogs, right? So even this notion that communities of color and innovation economy are on two separate boulders, even even if itself holistically, yeah. it kind of helps paint the picture. But when you get to the nuance of it, uh, it may not be as accurate as we're painting it, right? So yeah. there are people that have crossed that barrier before. There are people who are trendsetters, who are you know bridge builders, who have done yeah. it. So that's the first thing: is like let's find them, let's surface them, let's let's um, let them see that they're that they we are represented in that. And then the other yeah. thing, the next thing is, you know, we do it in a space that's comfortable and. You know, when, you, when you've never done something before, but you do it with, you know, people you know, love and trust, and the world is, it's like, listen, I mean, that's at least my experience. I'm yeah. a team, I'm a team guy. Okay, we've never beaten this team before, but if I look to my left and right, and I see teammates that are like, look, we're going to do it today, that's a lot easier than to, than to feel like I'm the lone giant, I'm the lone, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. warrior out here trying to battle this this army that that we've never beaten. And so- we do it in community and we do it together. And, and in that environment, we feel like, man, we can tackle anything, whatever, whatever comes our way. One of the things that, one of the beliefs I have around taking on 
that next step up. The language I use is a worthy goal, something thrilling, important, and daunting. Mm. Is um, it's really hard to do it alone. You need to, as you say, look to your left, look to your right, and go. I've got good people <laughs> on either yeah. side of me. Um, but that, I mean, that trusting other people is an act of vulnerability. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not kind of part of, I think, being seen and you know, knowing and knowing them. Um, and part of it is learning how to ask for help, because uh, you know that can feel like an act of vulnerability or an act of weakness sometimes. Um, I'm wondering what you've learned about what it takes to ask for help to to reach out. Yeah, I think that's one of the gifts that I think, you know, we bring to the table. I say we as communities of color bring into this, mm-hmm. right? Because I think for so long, the journey, and you can we can speak about this economically. We talk about poverty. We talk about um, people who are oppressed. Um, people who are vulnerable, you know, you, you need other people to make it through. And so that's a gift that you have. You bring, you bring a, a a habit, right. Of, of saying, man, we're going to, we need each other to get through this. Right. And so now we don't, we're not crippled all the time with this, this sense that I don't need you. Right. Or I don't need your help. So that partnership comes in many respects, quite naturally and quite right. um comfortably with with communities who have been familiar with with having the need each other right to make right. it through we have power outages now uh the wind and and it's funny because everybody who has power is taking on people who don't have power <laughs> you know it's just sort of how you got to get through this um that's a, great, so, that's a great literal and metaphorical thing, which is like, we're learning how to share power here. <laughs> well, exactly. We're learning how to share power. I love that. You're so fun to talk with. Yeah. So, no, we're learning how to share power. That's a good yeah. Thank you for highlighting that. That's great. What surprised you about becoming a champion for the creative hustle? I mean, what surprised me is. You know, I mean, we got to this. I mean, I don't want to go too long into how we got started. Sam and I, my co-author Sam Seidel, um, who's just incredible, uh, beautiful writer. First of all, um, I I always give thanks to him. You talked about the journey of writing a book. Well, you write a book with someone who can write. That's that's <laughs> a, that's a big advantage. Yeah. Um, and so here I have this person who has such a beautiful heart mm. uh, for people and community. So selfless. Um, and incredible writer, you mm-hmm. know, and so we're able to just share on these thoughts. But what has, you know, in the journey, what has what has really shocked me is how few of us write our goals, understand our gifts. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not to even think about how they relate to each other. Forget yeah. that part. Just the time and space to be able to say, man, what are my gifts? What are my goals? People of all ages, we've had 57-year-old graduate school of business from Stanford University, you know, has the runs the world, but have never tapped into, mm. man, what am what am I really trying to accomplish? What am I really, what are my gifts? I know the company's gifts or company's goals, or I know the company's SWOT yeah, analysis, yeah. but but how do I can I spend time on that for me and to think about how I make meaning with my life? And the middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, same thing. So 
the journey of just really taking the time to do that is is one that I feel like it was shocking because even for me, I needed it. And yeah. And here I am, you know, trying to give that gift to other people, but I to myself need it so desperately. Shinde, I've loved our conversation. Thank you for spending time with me. Um, I have a, a final question for you. What needs to be said that hasn't yet been said between you and me? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if this has already been said, but I just want to appreciate the thoughtful questions. Your spirit is so, um, it's calming. It's, um, it's, it's welcoming and it's very thoughtful. And I love conversations like that. And so <laughs> you've, you've, um, you know, you've asked many of the questions and you've so graciously shared, uh, some thoughts along the way, but I would be so honored to be on the listening side of just hearing how you think about things and, you know, how you think about some of these same things and, and just all that you're doing. So thanks for sharing so openly. I feel like you are, you know, you, you embody what I think Andy Crouch was trying to get at in his book, The Life We're Looking For, to be seen, even with you being so gracious of just sharing how you run your podcast and things like that. Yeah. It's just, there's a vulnerability I, I really appreciate about you. And um, it makes talking with you so, uh, even within the short time we have, just so, uh, um, such a such a joy. Thank you. We're all just looking to be known. That's my favorite line from our conversation. And not least because of my new book, How to Work with Almost Anyone. And that's a key part of what that book is about. How do you get to know that other person? How do you be known by another person? I mean, I've thought about this a lot over the last two years. I think you get known and you allow yourself to be known first by working on yourself, by knowing yourself, seeing your patterns, claiming both the glory and the mess of who you are, the brilliance and the nonsense, the complexity of it all, getting feedback from reality and deciding what to do with it. I mean, to quote the line from Rilke that I love so much, to keep being deeply defeated by ever greater things. You know, I love the line, we unlock our greatness by working on the hard things. That's how you get to know yourself. And that self-knowledge then becomes a platform for you to help to know others and help them feel seen and them feel known. So from that platform of self-knowledge, you're able to be curious about that other person, be nosy about what matters most to them, be celebratory for the good that they are and that they bring to the world, be present to their stories, appreciate them for not just what they do, but for who they are. Two other interviews that you might enjoy based on this conversation. Give is greater than take. That's my conversation with Bobby Herrera. That's number 132. Yes, we've numbered the interviews now. Bobby is actually a great, he's all hail the underdog. So there's a very strong um, connection between Bobby and Olatunde's way of seeing the world. And then number 145, Ozan Varol, is how to claim your genius, which I think is also really nicely connected. For more of Olatunde, uh, you can go to creativehustle.org and streetcode.org. Those are both uh, websites with his fingerprints all over them. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's great to have you along. It's great to have you 
as a regular listener, I'm grateful for it. If there's anything you can do to promote the podcast, then I'm in your debt, whether that be writing a review or passing an, an interview or an episode along that struck a chord. Either way, you're awesome and you're doing great.